are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What is happening? Welcome to the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, your episode for Monday, July the 20th. I left town for the week and nothing happened. Welcome to Pistons Nation during the shutdown. Although we got basketball next week, this is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. That's right. Basketball is back next week, and your boy here is turning up the volume on some episodes going forward. We're going to do them more frequently with basketball coming back. We're going to talk about life inside the bubble, cover the league a little bit, obviously, from a Pistons perspective, but talking about the league in general because we've got to fill up that content how the games look, how the league looks, how things are looking for the NBA uh, from a Pistons perspective and also not as well. Today, we got some nuggets that you'll like from a Troy Weaver interview last week that hopefully you listened to or maybe you'll want to check out after me talking about a little bit as well. I'm also going to share who might not be Troy Weaver's players as we're going to do a little mock draft Monday today, focusing on some guys that don't really fit the bill of what he talked about on a podcast interview last week. But we're also going to, later on in the show, talk about the prospect who is moving up draft boards, including probably my board, really the only guy who's playing right now and is able to put some tape out there. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. Also check out the new Twitter account for the full-time job. Check that one out. It's the playmichigan.com Twitter account at play underscore Michigan. But like I said, was out of town for most of last week, and I came back expected to have some more front office hires to react to, give you some more background on those guys, and that did not happen. So Troy Weaver came in as general manager a few weeks back now. Two weeks back, did hire his first assistant general manager, David Mintzberg, coming in from the Milwaukee Bucks via the Memphis Grizzlies. So he he, uh, knew Ed Stefanski from those days back in the day, got some sourcing of my own that indicated that with the Bucks, he was the cap guy. So now we have an assistant general manager who is a cap guy, which is, as far as I can tell, and we don't know a lot about the makeup of the Pistons front office, and which it's, it's something that's been kind of a thorn in our sides here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast during the Ed Stefanski era is who does what? What are the assigned roles for everyone? Whenever you ask that question, you always get, well, it's a collaborative effort for everybody. So it's a kind of a, an easy way to... Uh, Skate accountability in some ways in a negative way, but also not get a little bit of warring factions within a front office of this guy did this, this guy did this, this guy should get credit for this kind of thing. You don't hear a lot of that coming out of Ed Stefanski's front office. So for better or worse, we don't really know a lot of that stuff. But like I said, David Mintzberg kind of known as, as a cap guy and as a team like the Pistons who have at least some cap room coming into this summer. We don't know what the salary cap situation will be. It makes a lot of sense that one of your first hires would be someone who can make a lot of models for what the cap might look like 
and do a lot of research on that end right now. Obviously, the draft is still months away. You'd like to think that the Troy Weaver would bring in some more of his scouting type of players or scouting type of folks as well. We know that there's also holdovers from the Ed Stefanski front office with Arn Tellum being there. And also, Greg Polinski, the director of player personnel was the old scouting guy for the the regime the last couple years he's still back as far as I know and he was talked about during the interview process for Troy Weaver so it seems like he's another guy who's going to be a holdover uh, whereas Pat Garrity and Malik Rose obviously weren't part of the package when Troy Weaver and others were interviewing for the assistant uh, for the, the general manager job so it seems like Greg Polanski will still be uh, doing the, the scouting work and, and kind of leading the scouting department going into this year's draft. Now, more about Troy Weaver. He was on a podcast last week. Maybe some of you guys caught it already, but I would encourage you to check it out. 30 minutes or so. The podcast is a new one. It's called Pushing Through with B.J. Armstrong and Tate Frazier. Tate Frazier, formerly of The Ringer, was an old intern of Bill Simmons, maybe at ESPN before going over to The Ringer. And uh, interesting, you know, perspective on basketball, more of a college basketball guy. But he started a podcast with the the great B.J. Armstrong. That's right. Detroit's own B.J. Armstrong, former Birmingham brother Rice Warrior as well, west side of Detroit guy. So fun to listen to Troy Weaver on that podcast and always good to have B.J. representing the west side of Detroit, the city of Detroit as well and of course famously in his career part of the Michael Jordan teams with the Chicago Bulls going up against the Pistons and all those years so of course good to hear him representing his hometown as well BJ had a question to Troy Weaver and while he was asking it I was kind of thinking the same kind of recollection myself asking about his introductory press conference that Troy Weaver did over Zoom with the media contingent here in Detroit I was part of that and uh, talked about how BJ said his phone was blown up after the quote from Troy Weaver about how this isn't a rebuild, this is a restoration of the Detroit Pistons. Um, I thought he was getting at the reason that my Twitter was kind of blowing up when that quote was thrown out there, and that was kind of a negative perception from some fans who were questioning whether that meant that they weren't going to do the full rebuild and that they were just going to kind of patch some holes and try to get to the playoffs next year. BJ was talking about that quote in a positive way and that people around the league were and around Detroit and around people he knows that care about the Pistons, mentioning how they were excited to hear something like that, that the restoration of the old Pistons image, and and that's the way I kind of took it when I heard it at first. And not that I'm surprised that people were reading into comments in a negative way. I can understand that, especially the last 12 years, 10 years, the Pistons fans have had to go through. But yeah, just kind of a... uh, verification of my first glimpse and my first thought when I heard that quote that was a positive thing it's it's the guy who wants to come in and restore the brand restore the winning ways of the Detroit Pistons organization he also talked about in the podcast interview how you know this is and it's it's it kind of goes without saying but it's something that a lot of I've heard brought up about this rebuild that it has to be done through the draft. This is only something that you can do through the draft. And, of course, the draft is of major importance to any NBA team, and, and teams that hit in the draft are obviously going to have a lot more success than teams that don't hit on the draft. But Troy Weaver pointed out that this is going to be a rebuild that takes the shape in the form of trades, in the form of free agent signings, in the form of the draft as well. You know, the Joe Dumars put the Pistons together, uh, based on the the trade for Ben Wallace, the trade for Rip Hamilton, the 
uh, trade for Rasheed Wallace, the signing of Chauncey Billups, and the drafting of Tayshaun Prince. Famously, Joe Dumars was not very good at drafting and still was able to build a championship team. Now, of course, you want to make good moves however you can make them, but Troy Weaver talked about how all the tools are at his, at his disposal for turning this team around. You can use it through trades, you can do it through free agencies, and you can do it through the draft. And the Pistons with the cap room should be able to make trades, should be able to make sensible free agent signings. Hopefully the big ones are down the road after a little bit of rebuild happens in the short term. I'm someone who favors a style of not tanking going into this year, but not trying to be super competitive, obviously going out to win night in and night out, but being realistic about the fact that this might be a 30 win or less season ahead of us, given the roster makeup, given the ages of a lot of the top players and assets that are on this team. But uh, also talked about how the Detroit Pistons, the fans can be proud of teams in the past and in the future that are smart, tough teams that play together. And of course, that's the kind of thing that resonates with old school fans like myself who want to come back to this team, who want to believe in the image of Detroit Pistons basketball, Detroit basketball, as we know Mason says. And that kind of thing lingers with the old school fans like me. And I know the new school fans don't remember a lot of that success. Maybe you weren't even around for any of that success and maybe want the more new shiny objects. And maybe there's some validity to that. Maybe that's the best way to build. Maybe it's just, hey, how can we get 115, 120, 125 points on the board every single night and outscore other teams, and that's got to be the complete and only goal for teams going forward. Or how do we get a LaMelo Ball in here to, to to get some sports center highlights, to get some buzz around the team, to bring other free agents here? There's uh, certainly another path to building this team that isn't the way that I want to do it, that isn't the way that I think they should do it. However, I think Troy Weaver also had some quotes in this interview that point to my way. And Troy told B.J. Armstrong and Tate Frazier in the interview, whoever we draft, I want former Pistons to say, okay, he's a Piston. Whoever it is, it will resonate with the Pistons of old. So it's an interesting quote, right? I mean, there's some draft prospects in my mind that fulfill that qualifier. And there's some draft prospects out there, including some of the top prospects in this draft, who really don't fit that qualifier. So up next, we're going to talk about the players the old Pistons would be proud of, would recognize, and would sign off for as well. That's coming up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. But hey, but first I got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet for your new ride. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. I got family members who are in the auto parts business and they don't want to see these great websites out there that can help you out. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yes, all right, talking draft prospects today on a Mock Draft Monday. Up next, we're going to tell you about the prospect who is moving up boards with his good play 
lately. But as we talked about, Troy Weaver, the new general manager of the Detroit Pistons, says he's looking for guys in the draft who are smart, tough players who play together with teammates, the type of players that the old Pistons can be proud of. We're going to talk about who doesn't fit that bill. Up first, though, who does fit that bill? There's three names that stand out to me on the perimeter, and that is Isaac Okoro, Tyrese Maxey, and Devin Vassell, Okoro out of Auburn, Maxey out of Kentucky, Vassell out of Florida State. Those guys fit. And, of course, you know I kind of got to throw my guy and Yeko Kongwu of USC in there. And I think there's a decent argument that you could throw Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton from the point guard crop in there as well. I'm on the fence on James Wiseman. Does he fit the smart, tough players who play together with teammates? Of course, not enough film on him. Kind of a wild card in this draft. And someone who I am not crossing off the list for the Pistons to be interested in, even in the top five. Um, but that's really kind of how I am with him in every respect. A little bit of a wild card. Still need to do some more deep diving, and, and he just might be the the talent play that this team might need if they want to roll the dice for a real impact player going forward. But here's three guys that I don't think fit that mold of Troy Weaver's criteria that he talked about on the podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Tate Frazier last week. Smart, tough players who play together with teammates. One, and these probably won't surprise you, Anthony Edwards, right? Um, all you're hearing from the draft folks and from what you see on the film is not a smart player. A low IQ player on the floor does not have feel for the game at this point. A guy who is a number one option for a bad Georgia team and might even be a number one option for a very bad NBA team down the road, but not someone that you feel like can maybe be a number two offensively and know how to play off, just kind of stands around he doesn't have the ball and make plays. Only been playing basketball for a short time. Now maybe that is something you could throw in his uh, his the pros instead of cons because maybe that develops. Maybe those are skills that come with playing, and, and you can mold that clay into something. So maybe he's more of a blank slate option. But it just feels like it'll be a, an empty calorie guy, right? It gets a lot of stats. Maybe puts up you know 15 early in his career per game. Gets up to a 20 point per game guy. But man, just uh, hard to see how that mix of you know, scoring ability, but not elite scoring ability. It seems like a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands and, and will get you some offense. But, you know, the shooting really isn't quite there. The And he's a bulldog, right? He's a strong player. He's a guy that can get you a bucket in day one in the NBA. And there's something to be said for Anthony Edwards for sure. I could see why people like him, and I could see why a lot of people had him at number one and still have him in the top three of their draft rankings. Another guy who I don't think fits that bill is LaMelo Ball. That's right. Smart, tough guys who uh, play together, right? And, and, and LaMelo does fit a couple of those. I think he's a smart player. Obviously, when you watch his intuitiveness on offense, the, the plays he makes, the playmaker that he is already, the elite passer that he is for a draft prospect. I mean, and he's going to be a plus passer even for NBA standards, from, possibly from day one. But I still see continue to see big holes in this game again superior passer electric offensive player uh, ready for the spotlight great handle good size for a point guard I see all that and I get all that and that's why he's going to be a top five prospect for me even though I'm not as high on him as most of draft nation is out there when I say draft prospect I mean from the Detroit Pistons perspective that's all the big boards that I do um, that's that's my board, and that's what we're doing here on the Locked On Pistons podcast. But Ball being the gambling defensive player, right? That's something that stood out to me on the the tape 
it's it's Andre Drummond's specialty, right? And it's something that didn't really fly here in Detroit. Uh, just gambling, just making, putting yourself out of position to make plays, putting yourself out of position to go get defensive rebounds. Not the way that good team defense is played, and that's what uh, Troy Weaver talked about, right? The toughness, you know, how do you measure toughness? It seems like he's not a guy who's going to be playing defense first and doing those kind of things to get on the court in the NBA. But playing together with teammates is not just whether he's passing the ball or not. It's how he plays defensively. Trust your teammates. Play your role. That's what team defense is all about. And if they're establishing a team identity, like the old Detroit Pistons, if a guy, he's leaving his guy to try to get some steals, he's leaving his guy to get defensive rebounds, which is a good thing. We always want to get some defensive rebounds. But guess what? It's not great for your point guard to be getting the defensive rebound near the baseline and starting the offense from a standstill spot. You'd rather have him on the move, getting an outlet near Half or near half court, get going that way. Better to just lock up your guy, play strong defense, then go get that outlet. And then, by the way, don't walk the ball up the court like Reggie Jackson did. I think the Pistons should be developing a young, exciting team, playing fast, right? Seku's strengths, Bruce Brown's strengths, athletic guys. Uh, Svima Kailuk can trail and hit some threes. Same with Luke Kennard. Uh, Christian Wood is an athletic guy, right? This should be an up-tempo team, and I know that doesn't really fit in Blake Griffin's plans, but this Pistons team's plans in the future shouldn't necessarily be Blake Griffin's plans. And certainly you're going to want to showcase him in case he is healthy and you can figure out a way to trade him, but that's not the long-term plan for the Detroit Pistons. I think playing up-tempo would help this team, and LaMelo could help if you can shore up the fact that he gets moving and he could be a guy who makes some creative passes in transition. So he could help with that a little bit, and he's not completely uh, against it. In fact, he, he might be one of the better point guards in this draft to get an up-tempo offense, but, but I'll digress from there. Here's a third dra- draft prospect that I don't see fitting that smart, tough team that plays together mantra that Troy Weaver talked about last week, and that's Cole Anthony out of North Carolina. He's the guy who's not going to be on any of my top nine lists for the big board. Uh, certainly a, you know, a teens selection for somebody and maybe enough upside offensively, especially given the fact that people are down on him after a strong or after a, a miserable freshman season in North Carolina, although he did finish up a little bit better than he started. But with Cole Anthony, I just don't see a lot of playmaking. I see a little bit of a questionable shot selection. And I know the options to pass to weren't great at Chapel Hill, but just doesn't seem like a guy who really makes the team around him any better. Um, and again, a lot of upside for him, a lot of scoring upside for a lead guard, pretty good on defense too. So he's not like missing all the boxes that we're talking about here in Detroit Pistons land, but doesn't really fit all three of those things that Troy Weaver is looking for. And I think that all three of these guys we talked about, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Cole Anthony, three very good draft prospects in their own rights, three guys who all have a chance to have a solid, if not even better than that, NBA career, just don't fit in to me what you need to do, setting the tone in your first offseason as the general manager in your first tenure in that position for a team that has built their winning ways through two very very distinct eras compared to the others in professional basketball, right? I mean, the Pistons' bad boys and going-to-work era are two birds of a feather, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of similar in how they are, and they're very different from all the other teams that built championship pedigrees along the way. So who's a draft prospect who I'm not sure where he fits on the Troy Weaver test in addition to James Wiseman. We're going to talk about that guy next. And he's also someone moving up the boards with his strong play lately. 
overseas. That's coming up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Now, whatever way you slice it, this new development that's going on with a draft prospect out there is a good thing for the Pistons, whether it's shoring up some weaknesses that might be the guy the Pistons draft. So it shows that maybe he's more ready for the NBA, more of a shooter than maybe was suspected that he wasn't. Or maybe this guy is moving up draft boards by other teams, allowing other players to fall. Or maybe making a pick, a trade down scenario a little bit more attractive for the for other teams that might be coveting the Pistons pick wherever it falls after the August 25th lottery. But while we're while we've all been sitting at home during the pandemic, Denny Evdija is out here helping his draft status. The 19-year-old Israel Israeli player uh, resumed play last month in the Israeli Super League and playing really well for the Tel Aviv team. That's right, Denny Evdija, a guy who had kind of near the bottom of my top nine but might be moving up that. And I know he's someone that a lot of draft people and maybe some of them in Pistons Nation are pretty high on so far. Since the pandemic, uh, I guess since play resumed in Israel after the shutdown from the pandemic, which was right about the same time in mid-March that uh, happened here in the United States, Denny and Tel Aviv have played seven games, and it looks like they're done. I I don't know what the playoff situation, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the Israeli Super League, other than I know that it's not one of the top leagues out there. Some Some of the stats might be a little bit... Uh, deceiving and it's hard to kind of know exactly what you're playing against Uh, again not one of the top leagues overseas but certainly not one of the worst leagues either so Avdija in these seven games there was serious questions about his shooting right Uh, looks good but the numbers just haven't been there from three-point land and even less so on free throws he was a guy that hovered around 50 percent his last couple seasons as a pro and that's kind of an indicator that a lot of draft people look at as far as if you can knock down free throws, even if you aren't making threes, you project as possibly the guy who has touch and a guy who can be coached up to become uh, a mid-range and then later into a long-range shooter. So it's a pretty key indicator that might give some pause if that free throw percentage is bad. Now, like I said, seven games that he's played since the resumption of play in Israel. He went out in his first game and played 24 minutes and dropped 23 points, knocked down 7 of 8 from free throws, and continued his strong play, scoring double digits in all seven of these games, knocking down at least one three-pointer in all these games, and uh, knocking down free throws at a nice percentage as well while still rebounding to not a defensive stopper, but someone who uh, aware enough on defense to pretty be pretty good off the ball and certainly not a stiff. guy guy was also a little bit of a playmaker offensively too. In these seven games, he is 16 of 39 from three and 21 of 29 on free throws. So 17.3 points per game in seven games at 19 years old in a pro league. Very good there. 6.6 rebounds per game as well. But more importantly, 41% from three and 72% from the free throw line. So a guy we're talking about near the 50s, maybe 55 on free throws, to bump up to that where you're knocking close to knocking down close to three out of four from the line shows that he's a guy who took the time of the quarantine to work on the jump shot. And again, small sample size theater, no doubt about that. But when you have specific things that you're working on and really important games, a really a, a, a seven-game stretch that might go down as the most important for his bank account, especially in the next few years, uh, more than any games he has ever played, as a pro, uh, Denny Avdija rose to the challenge and might be rising up draft boards as well. Again, something that benefits the Pistons, however way you slice it. 
and he might end up playing his way into the top five and possibly even into the red, white, and blue uniform. But that wraps up this edition of Locked on Pistons. I am your host, Matt Shook. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.